Hello, bookworms. Welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them about their favorite book. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and I am so excited to tell you that this is my 100th episode, a super fun milestone during a super sad time in American history. I want to take a moment to honestly reflect, if you'll indulge me. I struggled a lot with how to approach this episode, and to be honest, my first instinct was to just skip this week. Here in the States, we are shockingly numb to mass shooting events. But sometimes they are so terrible that the national grief is just overwhelming, which is what happened this past week. I don't have answers to gun violence in America. I mean, I do. I have a lot of answers, but no one, certainly not lawmakers, is listening to me. I mean, statistics tell us that 90% of us want sensible gun reform, but our Congress is not listening. And the frustration of that brings me to my knees. I don't know what to do. So I kind of started questioning the meaning of everything I do and how everything feels just useless. What am I doing here? You know, saying words into a microphone and sending them out into the air. I'm not even making a thing. I'm just making noise. And it feels really insignificant in a world that contains so much pain right now. You know, like, what is the point of this when our children are not safe in their schools? But then in a totally unrelated context, I came across that old starfish story. Don't laugh. If you don't know the story, it goes that there's a guy walking along a beach who finds a bunch of starfish washed up on the sand. And he starts throwing them back into the ocean one by one. And then someone walks by and says, you're never going to get them all back into the water. Why are you trying? It doesn't matter. And the guy says, it matters to this starfish. Okay, so that phrase is really stupid. So go ahead and make fun of me. I'm making fun of myself too. It's the type of phrase that gets embroidered on pillows, you know, like next to the pillows that say live, laugh, love and dance like no one's watching. I get it. It matters to the starfish is a dorky cliche. But here's the thing. I recorded today's episode several months ago with a woman who really matters to a whole lot of starfish. Sharnay Gordon is the founder of the children's literacy organization, 50 States, 50 Books where she collects and donates diverse children's books to underserved kids in each of the 50 U.S. states. Now, I've been an admirer of Charney's work for a really long time, and I was thrilled when she agreed to be on the show. And ever since we talked, I've been thinking really hard about her work and why it matters so much. It doesn't feel like it when giant, scary things are happening in the world. But books matter. Reading matters. And I know you think so too, or you wouldn't be here. And if I can continue this sort of tired metaphor, (laughs) 
I feel really lucky that I got to spend my 100th episode with someone who spends her life mattering to the starfish. Charnay's work is important, and I feel really grateful that I got to meet her, and I'm so excited that you get to meet her. She's a really bright light in this world. So Charnay joined me to talk about her favorite productivity book, but of course we talked about why reading matters to her and why specifically diverse books are important and why she focuses her work life on making sure that all children have access to books. Please stick around to the end and I will tell you how I am supporting her work and how you can help. Until then, let's listen to Charnay Gordon tell me why Atomic Habits by James Clear is the best book ever. Hi, Charnay. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Hello, Julie. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me. It's such a pleasure to have you. We have so much to talk about. I want to start with you and what you do in life. You have a very exciting job. Will you tell my listeners about it? Yeah. Well, currently, uh, I am working for myself as a children's book author, a speaker, as well as a podcast host. I am also the founder of my own nonprofit called 50 States, 50 Books. But I basically get to talk about books all day and read books all day and write about them or share about them. What prompted you to start 50 States, 50 Books? It started in the summer of 2018, really just on a whim, if you can believe it. We were, as a family, we purge our books once per quarter. And so because we get so many books from publishers and authors all the time, uh, literally like almost every day we get books in the mail, uh, which is crazy. So we can't keep them all. I wish we could, but we can't keep them all. And so we purge our books periodically. And one day we were on our way to the library, getting ready to make our donation to our local library. And my daughter said, hey, mom, how come? We always donate books to the library. Why can't we donate them to other kids that don't have books? And I said, you know what? That's a great question. And I said, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm always just kind of looking, you know, library is the most convenient place or like, you know, Goodwill or something like that. And I said, that's a great question. And I, we, we did our donation at the library and then I came home and I just kind of sat with that for a moment. And it took me a couple of days, but one day I was in the shower and I said, you know, how, how can we do this? Like, how can we get books out into the kids of, you know, other, uh, other, other kids' hands across the country? And I didn't want to do like a worldwide thing because shipping can be so expensive. And so I just wanted to keep it here within the U.S. where we live. And so I was in the shower and it just, the name just kind of came to me. 50 states, 50 books. And I was like, oh my God. And I got out of the shower and I'm like, yes, this is it. We can donate books, 50 books at a time to each of the 50 US states. And at that time, I, like, I had no idea if this would even work. And But I, I, I went to work. I jumped online. I went on to that website. Uh, what was it? Was it Fiverr? No, it was Upwork, upwork.com. So I jumped on Upwork.com 
I found an illustrator and I said, Hey, I have this idea. I didn't even know who the illustrator was. I just found somebody and I liked, you know, their work. And I said, Hey, I have this idea, 50 states, 50 books. Can you create me a logo? And she loved the concept and she's like, sure. So took her a couple of days. She came back with a logo. And then literally I took the logo, uh, you know, I paid her for, for her work. I took the logo and I literally just started talking about it on my Instagram stories at the time. And this was summer of 2018. Uh, but before I started talking about it, I created the website for, for my kids because I have a computer science background and, you know, in tech. So I created the website. I put the logo up on there and everything. I created their Instagram page. And I just started talking about it on my Instagram page. And I said, this is an idea I have. I don't know if it's going to work, but here's what we want to do. And in that day, I had gotten the kids uh, on their 50 States, 50 Books Instagram page, 1,500 followers. So 1,500 people, (laughs) 1,500 people apparently believed in this, you know, and they started following along. And I just said, hey, we're accepting donations. And people from all across the country, people from even like as far as like Ireland just started sending us books. And, you know, that's literally how it started. Did you intend it to be just sort of a a interesting project for your kids? Like, let's check off a map and and then it just it really just mushroomed like this? Yes, that's exactly what happened. It was initially going to be, you know, just like a family. It started out as just like a family thing. And it was a fun thing. And it still is a fun thing, right? For our family, something that we do. And it did. I didn't get the idea to start it and turn it into a nonprofit until about 20, we're in 2022. So until about 2021, actually, is when I, I got the idea. And I said, you know what? I should turn this into a nonprofit because we were dealing with things like we, you know, we wanted to get more more books. And sometimes like publishers would say, well, hey, we would, we would love to send it to you, but are you a 501c3? You know, that was, that was always the question. And I said, no, we're not. So at first we started, you know, we did get like a, a huge donation from a publisher um, before we even became a 501c3. Like they sent us 800 books. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So that was in 2019. So we got that huge donation of 800 books. But then I, you know, I kept reaching out to publishers and um, after that, and, you know, they said, you know, they were asking if we were a 501c3 and I kept saying, no, no, no. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to turn it into that. And so that's what we did. And so now we are uh, a registered 501c3. May I ask a, a practical question? I mean, you're a mom, your kids are young. They are. When we started this, they were four and five and currently they're eight and nine. Okay, so how does a mom and an eight and nine year old handle 800 books? That's, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of books. How are it's you? A, how are you doing the physical work of it? Do you have help? My husband. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> He's your employee. <laughs> that's it. So it's it really is just us. the four of you. It's really just the four of us. We don't have a team. It's just us. Um, but yeah, we have a basement, right? We in our home. We this is where we store the books in the basement. And so the basement is where all the books are and the boxes and, you know, this our storage kind of supplies and stuff. 
Um, but, you know, eventually, you know, the goal hopefully is to get some sort of a space offsite, you know, even if it's a really, really small place so that, you know, our basement is always an, is, isn't always cluttered with like books and boxes and stuff. Have you hit every state? We have. So this is our third time doing, making our way all across the U.S. So (laughs) we've done it almost three times. So this is our third, we're currently working on our third time now. We just hit 20 states um, for this school year because we do it every school year. So we started in September and then we like to finish by like, you know, May, June. So hope, hope we're hoping to finish by like May or June of this year again. And that'll be the third time making our way all across the U.S. So that's that once we're done this year, that'll be over 7,500 books that we've donated. Oh, my God. So how do you decide the recipient Yeah, in each state? For sure. So on our website, there is a really brief application. It's like three questions. But uh, people have to answer the question. And mainly, mainly the main question that we're looking for is, why do you want to be the recipient of the books? And so when we're looking at that question, and when I say we, I'm talking about myself and my husband, (laughs) we go through the applications that we receive. We're looking for where there is, you know, the places that have the most need and where we can make the biggest impact. So we like to donate books to places where they can be enjoyed by children for many years to come, right? So that's like schools, public libraries or any sort of like liter- literacy organization that that deals with children. And we do not we do not donate to individuals. Um, we have donated to a, a homeschool before in the past, hmm. but we prefer not to you know donate to like you know individual parents that homeschool their kids because sure. You know, it, we that wouldn't be making a really big impact, even though we would love to, you know, support everyone. But, uh, you know, we, we like our books to be enjoyed for years to come. Yeah. By hundreds of kids. By, by hundreds of kids. Right. Not just one family. Yeah. And do your kids get to participate in that? Like, do you come down to we've got a school or a hospital? What do you guys think? And they get to make that choice. They do. We do involve them in that. They help also with the packing up the boxes and, uh, you know, they, they come with us to the post office. <laughs> so, you know, they're involved. And you intentionally focus on diverse books for children. What, That's correct. What made you focus it that way? We, well, my platform for my own brand, uh, Here We Read, is all about diversity and, and inclusivity, uh, inclusivity uh, for children's, in children's books. And so... I wanted my kids to be involved in some sort of impactful way as an extension of the work that I was already doing. But in addition to that, I think, you know, diverse books are, you know, not really as uh, easy to come by, I would say, in a lot of schools or libraries, like the need is, is, I think, more there for these types of books. And so that's why I wanted that to be the focus. And then did you, is this something that you've learned along the way? Or like, did you already know of these? Because I scrolled through your Amazon storefront and your bookshop storefront. And the 
book lists are phenomenal. And um, I consider myself a pretty well-read person. I was going through this. I haven't seen any of these books. It was just a fantastic list. So are these books that you already knew in your own reading life with your kids or are publishers coming to you and saying, these are underrepresented books. Can you get them out there? Or is it a combination? Mm -hmm. No, so I don't, yeah, I, I already know about the books on my own. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, we are sent books from publishers, but I, most of them, most of them, I already know about them um, just because of the work that I do on my own. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty well read in, especially when it comes to like picture books for children. Those are my favorites. So. Will you tell me about your personal reading life, Charnay? Yes. So I am, I I mostly read children's books, if I'm being completely honest, that is like my jam. So, (laughs) (laughs) and even though my kids, you know, they are, like I said, they're eight and nine, but they, they don't want to read as many picture books nowadays. They're more into like, you know, they're chapter books and stuff like that but I still do love reading picture books with them during story time when they allow me to (laughs) but I'm mostly for me for myself I'm mostly reading a children's picture book but I do read some adult books you know if you will too but when I am reading a book that's not a children's picture book I'm usually reading something like nonfiction or more self-help or I'm always on this quest to just be a better person and in all areas of my life. So whether that's, you know, learning how to do a different hobby or learning how to be a better friend, a better person, learning how to be more organized or just, you know, learning how to write a book, right? How do I, how do I perfect my, my own writing? So I'm always just striving for that thing. And, you know, I'm always a student, always a student. Uh, How can I just show up better in the world on all levels as a person? Did you come from a reading family? I do not. (laughs) I did not come from a reading family. I, uh, reading was something that I picked up when, you know, during my childhood. And I, I usually attribute it to Oprah Winfrey, who, <laughs> <laughs> who I absolutely love, right? Uh, I remember being nine years old and when the Oprah Winfrey show first started and I loved her. I was just so infatuated with this woman, you know? I'm like, oh my God, she looks like me. She loves to read. And, you know, I was... I would come home from school and just be glued to the TV. I didn't really know a lot of the topics that they were talking about at the time. Um, And it wasn't many, it wasn't until like many years later, once she just, she started the Oprah's book club thing. Mm -hmm. But um, prior to that, like, you know, she would always just talk about reading and her love for reading and stuff. And I had already loved reading, you know, myself as a child. And, um, you know, it was kind of my escape, even though, I didn't have a ton of books in, in, our, in our household, but I always wanted to go to the library. And I've always been a lover of school. And, you know, my sister, my older sister used to call me a nerd and, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but um, I've always, I don't know, I've always been this way ever since I can remember just 
have had a love of reading and words and writing and just learning. By the time I was nine, I was probably, I do remember reading some picture books, but picture books weren't as good as they are now. Like now they're just so good. Back then, I don't remember them being like anything that, you know, nothing memorable except for Corduroy, which was my favorite picture book of all time. But um, yeah, there, it wasn't really, I don't remember any picture books that necessarily had like a huge impact on me besides Corduroy. Do you remember how you found this book that we're talking about today, Atomic Habits? Yes. So Atomic Habits, I believe it came out in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. And I think I may, I think I may have saw it somewhere more than likely on Instagram. Um, I don't remember who it was, but I, I pretty sure I probably saw it on Instagram, probably from somebody that I, uh, admire or somebody that I follow on there, but I don't remember who exactly it was. And how do you describe this book when you, when you tell people this is your favorite book, how do you describe what it's about? It's about changing your, changing your life, basically, like changing your habits, those daily, small, incremental habits that you make each day that really can have a huge impact on your life. Um, but yeah, it's really just about changing your, changing your habits in, in your everyday life is how I would describe it. But I do think it is one of those life changing books, at least for me anyway. There are a lot of books out there about you know, be your best self kind of books. Yeah. Why is this one so good? I think mostly because, first of all, I don't know if you if you've read or know anything about James Clear, but he started writing about habits and uh, decision making and continuous improvement on his own blog. I believe it was in 2012 when he may have started. Um, but he he knows how you know, how to create a habit. And he studied this thing. And I think because he's been studying it for so long and because he, he knows how habits are formed like so, so well, um, I think that's what made it so impactful for me. Um, but I, I think it's, it's one of those books for me that it's just easy to see why that it sold over. I think it's like over, um, 50 million copies or probably even more than that. And it's been translated mm. in so many different languages. Did you make any changes in your own life after you read it? Like how did your habits change? I think for me, the biggest changes that I realized that I had, I needed to make were within my own environment. And James talks about this in the book, meaning in your house, right? Okay. So if you have a goal to say, write a book, right? This is your goal. This is what you want to do. The hardest part of writing the book is sitting down in the chair, right? (laughs) Sitting down in the chair in front of the computer or, or, you know, pen and paper, whatever you're using and just doing that. If you can get yourself to do that, you're probably, you know, and then, and then of course, once you're sitting, then you've just got to start writing. Right. (laughs) But I think it's the act of actually just setting aside all of your distractions and saying, you know what, 
I am going to write for 30 minutes today. And that's it, right? Mm -hmm. Get your butt in the seat. Step one, right? (laughs) Which can be hard sometimes. Some days it can be really hard, right? And so I think that's why sometimes a lot of people will delay things. It's like, I don't, oh, I've got to do laundry or, oh, I've got, you know, to do these things with the kids or, you know, but if you get your butt in the seat, you will begin to write. And and that's the same thing. Like if you have a a habit that you want to start, you want to start a habit of going to the gym or starting a habit of going to work out, right? Again, the hardest part is going to be getting to the gym. Just get yourself there. Not, it's not because it's not the working out, right? It's getting there, putting yourself there in the gym. What changes did you make then to, because that's the key. We all know that getting to the gym is the necessary part. What did, what change did you make to get your butt in the chair to write the book or whatever? Like, how did you make that leap? Yes. So for me, what I did, because I am actually on a, <laughs> I'm currently at the time of this recording, I'm under a, uh, a book writing deadline. Uh-oh. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so by my bed, I have a sticky note. It just says, write the book. Right. Okay. And I see this, I see this every day after I wake up. Right. And before I go to bed and it's right there, I cannot miss it. Uh-huh. Write the book. <laughs> so that's there. And then so that's my reminder every day. It's like, okay, I know I have to do that. And then I have it in the bathroom on the mirror, another sticky note, write the book. <laughs> right. So as I'm getting ready in the morning to get ready to brush my teeth, I know this is something that I have to do. And then it's on my, my office door. It's, it's a st- another sticky note says, write the book. And then I have another one right above, right up here, right above my desk, another sticky note. It says, write the book. And so it, you know, those sticky notes kind of lead me right to here. And so I'm sitting right in my chair. Right. And that's just, a, it's just, just a small thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I knew, and I had on my desk here, I have my computer, I have my notepad right here beside me and a pen. Right. So these are, these are, these are, I'm setting myself up to basically win. Right. And then do you do any kind of reward system? Like after you do your writing for the day, you get X, Y, Z, anything like that? Um, I, uh, I pat myself on the back, (laughs) but no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, no, I don't have a reward. I'm, I mean, I'm just like genuinely like happy that I actually did the thing. Right. Yeah. That's enough. The work itself is the reward. Right. Yeah. I do. I also forgot to mention, you know, for my phone, um, I will not like my phone has to be, you know, away. Um, you know, I have a set time every day that I'm going to be writing. And so, you know, my phone is put away out of sight. Right. Um, so that's another thing that's part of my, uh, another change that I made to my environment. I think you cannot overstate the impact of the phones on our lives because the sort of fugue state that we go into, it's unreal. I don't, there's nothing else like it. I have I'm I have so little self-control over it. And I'm not like that. Well, I'm sort of like that when I'm in the middle of a good book. 
where I'll just yeah. keep reading. But not to that extent where I look up right. and I literally go, it was two hours of looking at memes on Instagram. It's the, it's so dumb. It is. It is. And, it's, and I, it's, it's addictive. It is. Yeah. It's highly addictive. Right. And, you know, coming from and having an IT background, right. I have a master's and a bachelor's in computer science. Um, you know, I've worked in cybersecurity before and forensics. And so it's a de- social media is a deliberate thing. It's specifically designed to make you become addicted to it. Hmm. You know, isn't that crazy? And so when you even hear, was it the, is it the head of Facebook? Maybe Mark Zuckerberg? It was somebody, I don't know if it was Mark Zuckerberg. Somebody said, and this is somebody like in, um, that, in, that works for Facebook said, um, you know, something like, um, you know, every once in a while, we've got to give you another hit of dopamine to make you stay on social media. You know, and when you think about it like that, it's like, like they are deliberately putting all of these things on social media to make you, you know, have this fear, this constant fear of missing out. And um, it's terrible. It really is when you really think about it. And, you know, I'm no, I'm no, um, I'm not going to say that, you know, I don't use my phone, I realized that I am addicted to it, right? And so um, that's something, that's a habit I don't want for my children, you know? Um, and, you know, because I am in, in the content creation space and, um, you know, social media is required for the type of work that I do, mm-hmm. but I, I do have a habit to, you know, as soon as they're home from school, like the phone goes away. So that's exactly what James Clear says, right, is you just set the simple rule that the the habit is when the kids get home, my phone goes away. Right. And so then because it's not relying on your discipline, that's where he really got me was we like discipline's kind of a myth, really. It's really about you just set up the habit. Yeah, I want you just said system. And there was I have in my notes here where he says, ah, yes. If you're looking for results, focus less on goals and more on systems. That that is what James Clear says, Um, which I just think that's so good, right? If you just have, it's it's really all about the systems. What's, how are you, what systems do you have in place to make your, or to help yourself be more successful? You know, because if you don't have a system in place, then you could just set a goal. But if there's no system behind it, the chances of you reaching that goal are going to be less likely. Yeah. I think what one another thing that I loved about this book is that um, James Clear says, if you want to make a habit take hold, there are four rules. One, make it obvious. Two, make it attractive. Three, make it easy. And then four, make it satisfying. And he calls those the four laws of behavior change. Yeah, I like the line, when friction is low, habits are easy. That's really the key. Because yeah. if I if I have to go looking for my workout shoes, I'm not going to the gym. I'm just right. not. not going like, to well, I can't find my shoes. I guess that's it. <laughs> right, right. You've got to put the shoes right by the door, yes, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's it. It's it's like setting yourself up 
to win. You know, if you want to go to the gym, put your workout clothes on your bed. Yeah. Put your shoes right by the door along with your keys. Impossible to miss. Right. <laughs> Tell me what else you have in your notes. Um, so w- another thing I liked was where he says the most effective way to change your habits is to focus not on what you want to achieve, but on who you wish to become. So again, if we can go back to the book writing thing, if you want to write a book, don't focus on writing the book, focus on becoming a writer. You know, it's like the goals weren't about achieving the certain thing it's becoming, um, but rather becoming a certain person in the end. Um, and, And so he also says, if you're having trouble determining how determining how to rate a particular habit. You can ask yourself, does this behavior help me become the type of person I wish to be? Does this habit cast a vote for or against my desired identity? And then he also says, Envir- the, your environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. There are so many ways we can make our environment work for or against us, especially when we consider that people are a part of our environment. So surrounding yourself with people who are going to cheer on your good, your good habits. That's right. That's right. So it's the people that you surround yourself with. If you tell somebody, you know, you have a habit that you want to create um, and that habit is going to be writing 30 minutes every day, you know, everybody in your, you know, immediate circle needs to know that so that these 30 minutes every day, she's going to be busy, you know, leave mommy alone. This is her writing time, right? So I've got to tell my husband, he's got to be on board with it. My kids have to be on board with it right? I have to be on board with it, first of all, right? But the people around me need to be on board with it too, because I can't have my kids knocking on the door if if it's my writing time, right? So that's all a part of the environment also. The people that are in your immediate environment also need to be aware of your goals so that they can help cheer you on. Yeah. Or if you, you know, if you have a spouse or a partner, that you you tell your partner here's here's a goal that I want to do. Can you keep the kids occupied for thirty minutes while I'm writing? Right, and so that's your that's your daily habit. Is every day you sit down and there's everyone knows that mom is writing from this time to this time. That's it. And unless that's the house it. is burning down, you do not knock on my door. That's right. That's oh, it. Oh, great. I'm yeah. terrible at that. I I tend to be like. I'm going to get to it today. I just have to finish this first. And then right. <laughs> I am awful about setting up that boundary. Yeah. And it doesn't have to happen at the same time every day. I mean, I try to do it when the kids are at school. Um, this way I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about the kids or anything, but there are some days where I do have a tough time getting to my chair mm-hmm. to sit and write and, and, you know, set up that time. And so if it, happens to be, you know, seven o'clock at night, then I just let my husband know, Hey, 
and you know, the kids, this is my writing time. And that's, and that's it, it. Right. The other thing I really like about his book is when he talks about um, never missing twice. And he says that the part I highlighted, the first mistake is never the one that ruins you. It is the spiral of repeated mistakes that follows. Missing once is an accident. Missing twice is the start of a new habit. Oh, that right. Would be hard. <laughs> I was like, Why are you coming after me, James? Right. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, there's just so many gems and nuggets in this book. Um Another thing he says is that winners and losers have the same goals. If successful and unsuccessful people share the same goals, then the goal cannot be what differentiates the winners from the losers. Having goals is not enough. If it it was, we'd all be winners. Right. And is that in the part where he talks about... um... Yeah, I think this is the same paragraph or the same chapter where he's talking to a basketball coach who says at some point it comes down to who can handle the boredom of training every day, doing the same lifts over and over. That's really the key too, right? Because for writing also, it's super exciting, but it's also tedious. It is. And the middle of a book is the most boring thing in the whole world when you're in the middle of it. And you just have to keep going. You just you just have to keep going. And that's always the hardest part, too. Mm-hmm. I guess we could probably talk about the 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 phrase atomic habits. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that mean? So it, it refers to the hundreds of votes that you cast, you cast throughout the day about who you'll be in the future. Mm. The more of your life that runs on daily habits the more freedom you have to focus on more important work. So if you're like, you know, constantly casting these votes throughout the day, like, nah, I'm not going to do this. Yep. I'm going to do this instead. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to do this. It's like all you're just basically taking all of these votes on your future, right. Um, Or whatever the, the, your future outcome is going to be. So um, I just think that's really interesting. Tell me what you're reading right now. Right now, I am actually reading this with one of my girlfriends. Um, It's called Text Me When You Get Home. The Evolution and Triumph of Modern Female Friendship. This phrase, uh, text me when you get home, we say it all the time. All the time. All the time. And it's one of these things that... um, you know, the, the the author, her name is Kayleen Schaefer. She writes that um, women have become accustomed to saying this um, to each other. It's like, oh, text me, you know, when you're out for like a girl's night or whatever, it's like, oh, text me when you get home, you know, you do the hug thing. Mm. And it's like, text me when you get home. And um, it just talks about like how female friendships have evolved over the years. What is the best way for my listeners to find you and your work? Yeah. So if you are interested in supporting 50 states, 50 books, as I mentioned, we are a registered 501c3. So any monetary uh, donations are tax deductible, but you can go directly to our website, which is 50states50books.net. And uh, on the page, there is a donations button. You can click on there and you can see that we 
will accept monetary donations. It is secure on our website. And if you just want to donate books, you can do that too. And our mailing address is on our website as well. We did pick up a partner this year, which I'm really excited about. Uh, Dill Pops Bookshop. They are an online uh, subscription box where they have like these great book bundles for kids. And so for every book bundle that's purchased, uh, they send us $5. They donate $5 to our organization, which is really nice. Oh, that's so so great. Yeah. So that's been amazing at helping us to finish these states faster than we could on our own because um, we don't, we don't pay, um, sorry, we don't charge um, people to be the recipients uh, of the books that we send. We just send them free of charge. We pay for shipping on our own. So um, shipping can, you know, get quite expensive sometimes. So the money that's donated from our partner helps us pay for shipping. It helps us pay for our shipping supplies. And it also helps us buy any books that we may need if we don't get enough donations for a particular state. Let's not say goodbye until we have talked about your podcast. Will you tell my listeners about that? Yeah. So I started a podcast August, 2020, and it's called Here We Read, a bookish podcast. And it's really just an extension of everything that I do for my brand online, where I get to now have deeper and more meaningful conversations with like the authors and the illustrators who write these amazing, diverse and inclusive books for children and and adults too. I I have uh, interviewed a few people who've written books for adults, Um, but primarily I am interviewing authors and illustrators who write and illustrate children's books on the podcast. And so it's just a fun, fun time where we're basically just getting to know them as people and we're getting to know them, like the projects that they're working on. Sharni, this has been lovely talking to you. I have so much admiration for you and the work that you're doing. And I'm just thrilled to direct some support your way and I I wish all the best for you. I just hope this explodes even more. I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Thank you so much, Julie. I really appreciate you asking me to be on your podcast. And I hope you'll come back anytime you have a book you want to tell me about. Yeah, maybe I'll come back and tell you about text me when you get home. (laughs) Oh, that's going on my list for sure. I hope you enjoyed Charnay's company as much as I did. Now, in celebration of the Best Book Ever 100th episode, I'm going to invite you to join me in supporting her work. I've donated $100 from the Best Book Ever podcast. And if you want to help, here's how to do it. If you'd like to make a donation of any amount of cash or very gently used books, go to 50states50books.net slash donate and then email me a screenshot of your donation to bestbookeverpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can promote her on your own social media. On Instagram, post anything about her work and tag at 50states50books and me at bestbookeverpodcast. I am not on TikTok, Facebook, or Twitter, but if you promote her work through those channels, just screenshot it and shoot me an email so I can see it. Everyone who promotes her, whether it's through money, books, or exposure, and then lets me know about it, will be entered into a drawing 
and one randomly chosen winner will receive a $100 gift certificate to their favorite indie bookstore. This contest is only open to residents of the United States, no purchase necessary, and is not associated with 50 States 50 Books or any social media entity. The deadline to enter this drawing is June 30th, 2022. Remember, you can find links to all the books we discussed in the show notes or at my website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. I'll have links to all of Charnay's work, and also, if you are so inclined, links to some resources for how you can help contribute to reforming gun laws in the United States. I want to thank you for joining me today on this really fun milestone. We are just getting started over here, my friends, and I am so glad you're part of this journey. Until next time, I will see you at the library.